lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and uh, we have a fun one in store for all of y'all today. Uh, we have the returning Cannonball Justine Ward um, out of the Maritimes up in Canada, um, probably best known for uh, their work in Kaizen Pro Wrestling up there. Um, and it's an interesting time to have Justine back on. You know, we talked to them about a year ago or so, um, just after the, the first Glory Hold Pro Wrestling show that was held up up in their neck of the woods in connection with, with Halifax Pride, um, and as well as a very um, memorable match against their trainer, Kobe Christ. And turns out both of those things have come full circle in the last year plus. <laughs> so we we talk about um, Justine's rematch with Kobe and, and how uh, that whole circumstance and that whole um, match has informed, you know, themselves in in this pro wrestling journey that they've been on the the fact that it happened during pride month um as well and then we talk about the the second glory hold show a little bit and kind of get into some of the stuff about you know why they look at kaizen pro wrestling and in, in the way that they do um you know this sort of familial environment this this very selfless and giving environment of, of pro wrestlers up in the maritimes so really great conversation that i um can't wait to present to all of you um but before we get there um we do have to talk about some things in the pro wrestling world um i'm not gonna lie up until about two days ago this spot was going to be taken for uh you know discussing circle six's decision to uh their decision as well as their defense of you know booking drake younger um, for for an upcoming show, and then um, you know, if not for the events of the past couple of days as well, like maybe like I'm sure that something about uh, Tyrus's latest comments, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, talking about you know basically making a, a joking a joking reference to abusing his child if they talked about you know pronouns and whatnot, but. Um, those two figures pale in comparison to what we actually need to talk about a little bit here for the in the pro wrestling world from the last week, um, because we lost two um, very very important figures in the last two days or so here. Um, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. You know, I obviously an intro to a wrestling podcast is nowhere near enough time to properly memorialize and, and eulogize figures like uh, Funk and, and, and Wyatt. Um, you know, we've seen the outpouring of the people that knew them best, the people that interacted with them um, and sharing their stories and their experiences, not just in terms of a pro wrestling, but also just in terms of life. And it's been amazing to see just how many people have been truly touched by, you know, brief moments with either of them, um, as well as, you know, the, the people that have been around them for an extended amount of time have had, you know, a long, strong relationship with those people. Uh, and you can 
feel all of the pain that has come through this, as well as all of the celebrations of the lives that they leaded and what they meant to the pro wrestling world as a whole. You know, Terry Funk, absolute legend, somebody who does not get talked about enough in the conversation of greatest of all time. I know many people have been saying that, but like that is just a genuine belief that I have. Like he is, he, he belongs in that conversation for sure. Um, and then Bray, someone who even at 36, far too young, and it still felt like there was so much more left for him to do in the wrestling world. You know, someone who, you know, countless people, countless fans have pointed to, you know, Bray Wyatt's various incarnations over the last decade that, uh, and, and his creative force that came with those various personas, um, you know, drawing them back into pro wrestling, giving them something that they have wanted to see in pro wrestling and, and giving us some matches and moments that, could only be made by having Bray Wyatt's presence in there, you know, for as much shit as we might <laughs> give the Mountain Dew pitch black match. No one's going to make that work except Bray Wyatt in that instance. Um, you know, the Firefly Funhouse match is still one of those things that just, it sticks with me um, because of, how it switched up the presentation of pro wrestling, especially within a WWE context there as well. But, you know, pro wrestling is really only part of the conversation about who these, these two men were and what they meant to the people in their lives and, and their families. And, um, you know, I know both families have to be suffering here and, and it, it pains me to know that they're having to go through this stuff. And I don't even know exactly how to properly put my own thoughts my own personal thoughts about these two people into into context without just kind of devolving into an emotional mess um here on on the show and i don't know maybe i'll find some some way to properly put those together but um the pro wrestling world the world as a whole is missing two very, very bright stars today as, as we sit here. And, um, you know, this, this sucks. It really sucks <laughs> to be feeling this, but um, we have all of the moments that they created and we have all the stories about how they conducted themselves outside of the ring and, and what they represented to so many people, thousands, millions of people, um, both those that were close and those that, you know, admired from afar, from the other side of the guardrail. And, uh, you know, I can't thank them enough for the lives that they led and the people that they touched and the way that they conducted themselves and, and that sort of thing. It's just, it's a very painful moment, but I know it's also one that, um, is inevitable, um, but also you don't want to get lost in the pain to not be able to celebrate the people that have been close to you in a way. Um, this does tie into a little bit of housekeeping. I, I will be um, straight up. Ho you know, Hollis and I, we do our monthly uh, Patreon exclusive show. Um, 
for uh, for the podcast uh, required reading, and we had planned already had plans for what we were going to do for this month, and in the past twenty four hours, those have been thrown out of the window because I you know as much like Terry Funk is a very very important figure to me, to Hollis. I, I, it might even be more significant to Hollis. Um, and so we, we made the decision to kind of take an audible and make this month's um, required reading episode centered on, on Terry Funk. And I'm planning to release that episode out for, for free um, for everyone to, to listen to. Um, it just, it just feels right to have a moment where we can celebrate um his life with two people who hold him very dear and um you know i already have some brain matches on the list for that show too so we'll we'll see we'll see when when we um come to that but i just wanted to let you know let everybody know that we're we're pivoting hard and and going into terry funk territory this month there um for obvious reasons so um with with that being said though um let's uh it's a very hard transition to make let's um let's let's go to my conversation with cannonball justine ward What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week a returning guest from up in the Maritimes in Canada. Uh, you know them from Kaizen Pro Wrestling, from Glory Hole Pro Wrestling, and now a number of places throughout that side of Canada as well. North Pro, NEW. Please welcome the Cannonball Justine Ward back to the show. How are you doing today, Justine? I'm doing fabulous, my fam. It's been great. It has. Like I'm, I'm so happy to have you back on the show. I really enjoyed having you on the first time and learning all about your story and your entry into pro wrestling. And this is a really good time to have you back on the show because one like we just got past the second glory hold show which is a really mm-hmm. fun pride show up in that area up in, in halifax and also uh we talked heavily about your match with your trainer kobe christ last time and uh-huh. oh did that come full circle back in june oh my jesus that match <laughs> which we will definitely get into here shortly but before before we get there though like i'm curious to ask like how have you been since the last time we sat down to chat with you like what's what's how's life been treating you uh life's been treating me great uh i've gotten to uh work a bunch of different places Uh, i'm trying to just kind of get my name out there uh a little tentative because i'm only I'm only 23 without a driver's license or even a passport so like i'm a little hesitant because i don't want to I don't want to put myself out there and then have to say no to a bunch of bookings. So like, I'm going to try to start working towards like passports and driver's license. So that way I can start feeling more comfortable and confident being able to put myself out into the wrestling space and knowing that like, you know, as long as I have the money financially to go drive to a place, I can just go drive to a place and go work a show. I mean that's that's part of the beauty of this business, right? Is like as long as you can get to this place, you opportunities can come. 
you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that like things are, are opening up for you in that way more and more. Like it, it's really cool to see like some of the spots that, that you have popped up in like, Again, like since the last time we spoke, like I've been learning a bit more about the Maritimes area in terms of what they have pro wrestling wise. And while I haven't been able to access everything that's up there to watch, um, it's it's really cool to see like just like how many different promotions are still running somewhat regularly or like, are popping up now up up in that area too. Like obviously Kaizen's been there yeah, for for a minute. Six promotions. That's wild. That's awesome, considering like where that that area went after the you know the historic Maritimes promotion kind of went away in the in the eighties or so. Like, I don't know what's what's it like to kind of be in that area and see like this growth happening now at the same point that you're like very still very young in in your own pro wrestling career. Uh, it makes me happy for all the wrestlers because uh, locally. Uh, wrestlers need jobs just like any just like any person does you know wrestlers need jobs wrestlers need opportunities to learn what works in front of a crowd what doesn't work in front of a crowd and so the more promotions and the more shows that we have hopefully that allows them to get more opportunities to work you know um, hopefully not to a degree that oversaturates the market and then nobody wants to come buy a ticket to a pro wrestling show but, you know, at the very least, you know, if we can, if we can keep those promotions up and healthy, hopefully we can help uh, each other out, you know. I mean, that's always the goal, right? I think that's the that's the sign of a good scene is whenever, like, places are working together in at least some capacity and helping support an, an entire ecosystem there, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, that's just, I'm I'm very happy to see it happening up there, especially considering, you know, all of the the talent that if you're not watching Kaizen Pro on IWTV, then you don't get to see like just how many talented people are in the ring right now and just how that number is growing, especially looking at the sector that we focus on here, because like it was really cool to see the emergence of Cody Orion in the last few uh, months to like half a year as well. You know, the former mm-hmm. uh, Kimba and to kind of see him like kind of take this new ownership of a character post losing his mask and that sort of thing. And, um, see like people like Moon Miss and, and uh, Troy Merrick still, you know, out there doing their thing too. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just awesome to see like all the different people along like, like the rainbow line or so that are yeah. really taking a, taking their piece of this, of this area for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about Pride Month for you. Um, because that involves Jesus. Um, <laughs> that involves a match with you and Kobe Christ. That uh-huh. I will say, there were multiple bumps in there that I was just I physical grimace for myself uh, while watching that. <laughs> Um, but, but no, let's talk a bit about the story. This is like, like I said before, obviously the first time you were on, we, we talked about your match with, with Kobe that, mm-hmm. you know, had this like very symbolic nature in, in your wrestling journey. Um, you know, and, and kind of, he gave you the endorsement a bit off of that. And then we come like a year, year plus later and we do it all over again. So set up like set up how this how this match was different for for you going into it versus that that first match with Kobe. Uh well for one 
uh, I think the biggest difference being, of course, that now I've been here before. Like prior to uh, my first and probably at the time only main event, yeah, only true real main event up to that point was the first match against Kobe. Uh, and that was the first time I wrestled in a in a main event capacity. Um, and so knowing that while I didn't do it perfectly, um, and you'll probably never find perfect, but you always strive for it. You know, I, I knew the mistakes that I'd made the first time. And now I just look to correct those mistakes uh, and do better the second time because I've now had a chance to to learn. I find that the best way to learn is by, you know, just outright wrestling people. Uh, and so I'd wrestled Kobe once before now. Uh, and on top of him being my coach, we've also just wrestled. So now I have all the, not all the knowledge, but I had a lot more experience and I was uh, able to be way more prepared the first time than I was the second time. So, yeah. If, if the first match was like a sort of a, like a, a proving ground sort of thing in terms of like, you know, you're, you're just getting into the ring. You're on you're only like a few months into this. And then it's like Kobe giving you a chance of like, you know, like show me what you can do. And, and if you can hang and that sort of thing, like was, what was the, the thought process whenever like, you know, you and Kobe, like Kobe comes to you like, okay, we're doing this again. Like, you know, do you feel like you had proven yourself to the point that you belonged in that spot? Or was this another chance for you to be like, no, like I need, I need to like show the audience or Kobe or myself that like their faith in me putting, putting me in this spot was something that uh, wasn't wasted. Uh, always proving. Um, mm. I, I never want to, I never want to stop learning uh, because, you know, there's always something new to learn. Uh, which is the joy of an ever-evolving art form. Uh, there was a lot that I had to prove to myself into the in that second match, and so I just wanted to make sure, at least to myself, that like, you know, these people are believing in me. I've I've got to believe in me. You know, let's go out there and do do something that I didn't do the first round. You know, let let's get that win. Let's secure that victory because I lost last time. I'm not gonna lose twice. <laughs> I like I like the mindset. I really do. Like it's that's the thing I and, and you know watching both both of the Kobe matches and really a number of your matches like it feels like you wear obviously like, you wear your emotions on your sleeve in the match. I feel like that's just the part for the course of being a, a pro wrestling presentation, but it feels even more so like there's that you're going out there with like this strong, strong drive to like prove yourself every night that you're in the ring. And, you know, I think that if you talk to a lot of pro wrestlers that you'll, they'll have that mindset, but also like just the way it's communicated whenever you're in the ring. Like the, the one thing I noticed a lot from, from both of the Kobe matches um, was just how you sell. And just how you communicate writhing in pain. <laughs> like, it's just, it feels so genuine 
in a way that it sucks it sucks you in i can understand why people in that audience keep yelling at kobe keeps asking himself like am, am i being bad am i am i being bad and everybody's just yelling at him like yeah you are <laughs> i don't know like what what's that that process like for you when, when like when kind of determining like the selling process there like how how do you do you tap into something for yourself that that helps you do it or is it just like legit like i got power bombed on kobe's knee and my back is screaming because like um, that looks fucking brutal by the way <laughs> thank you um for me uh i just try to look at it realistically like if an actual human was actually power bombed onto a knee like that's not going to be that's not going to be fun and that's not even the worst thing that happens to my back in that match no it is not like like that power bomb onto the knee is like a sign of things to come later on in the match not to spoil or tease or anything but you know <laughs> um but yeah like it's uh i just try to think of like what a realistic human body would do in these like on like not natural situations Hmm. No, I mean it. It makes sense. Like you add that that veil of realism to it. Like it. It is all part of the presentation. And and I don't know. Like it's just I love someone who can who is really good at selling. Like I love watching matches like that because it just sucks me in more. And that's just that was one of the things that I noticed like, right off the bat from from this match with Kobe. But let's let's talk more about the story of this because you know obviously. You want to get that win back on Kobe. You want to prove yourself to your trainer uh, in that way. And we have like a, there's like a different version of Kobe in a way. Like I'm, like I mentioned it before. Like he's like asking himself, like, I don't want to be bad. Am I being bad? Am I asking the referee, asking himself, asking the audience? Like it's like a, it's a very different conflicted Kobe Christ versus. Uh huh. The original, what we remember seeing from your first match, where just full blown heel, Kobe Christ. Um, what kind of went from your perspective? Like, what went into the story of this this match to kind of like elevate elevate it to a new like level, a new chapter in in this sort of story between you two? Like, it's just I would. Yeah, I would say mindset is the the kind of big difference. Like, and you talk about that first match. I, I wouldn't say that Kobe was a full blown heel until maybe, maybe halfway through the match, or like during the bulk of like that middle portion of the match. And even then, like he still has like his moments, and he still has like his, you know, trying to be a good coach to uh to a student, and he doesn't fully embrace like being a heel until right near the end when he gives me that hug when he embraces you know when he says like you've earned like you've earned my respect and then bam takes my head off with the clothesline that he did like hmm. i would say that like the difference is all of that stuff um and so like uh the show prior to me fighting kobe he lost to he lost to mia and mia told him that he has to he has to become a better person so, you know, uh, for this match, it was his first step in trying to redeem himself and to show that he is a 
better person. And the the goodness in me wants to see the good in him, but he's used that kindness as as a cloak so he could stab me with his dagger. Yeah. So is this genuine kindness or is this just another cloak? You never know. It's like he's like mm-hmm. battling with himself in this at the same time he's battling with you. And it's just a really interest. It's a really cool dynamic for, for, for the match there. Um, we'll talk about that apron bump here in just a second. Cause mm-hmm. Jesus fuck Justine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, I want to, before we get there though, I want to know like, when do you like watching the match? Like I can kind of, get a feel for like whenever the, the, that live crowd is really like dialed in there. But for you personally, like in the ring, like when did you feel like, okay, we, we, we have, we have them on this journey with us. Uh, Before the bell even rang, I'll be real honest. Right, really? Like before the bell even rang. Um, so <clears throat> there's a moment that isn't quite caught on IWTV, but I made like a little TikTok of it and I posted it around because I was, like it genuinely gets me. Um, so we have a lovely fan. His name is Sean Freeman. Uh, he films like all of the matches. He films the whole show, and then he'll compile like a little highlight uh, with Indestructible playing in the background for like all the highlights or whatever. Um, and so in his recording of footage, uh, he gets this like early, like super early moment. I just get in the ring. I'm staring like daggers at Kobe. He gives me like this little wave, like hi kiddo, and I just give like this tentative wave back mm. because again I see the goodness but is it just another cloak and dagger yeah. and so like that feeling of like I've been hurt by your kindness before so I don't know how to reciprocate the kindness being shown now uh, like that was really good uh, I I cried before the bell even rung and the moment the tears came I was like well I wasn't expecting the tears this early but I guess they're here now <laughs> What made you what made you get emotional? What made you cry? Probably just the moment. Like yeah. this is this is something that like in like in character I've been working towards for over a year. So like that's a that's a long time to be patient, a long time to wait, a long time to just kind of have to simmer in the background waiting for that time to shine. Like that's that's a long time. And so like the emotion and like knowing that like when the match happens again, it has to be put up or shut up. I have to prove that I am worthy of being able to defeat my coach. I gotta put every everything I got. Mm. It's, it's so interesting, like because I feel like like that that year plus, like that that year plus thought process of like this is where I've been working towards for this long to get here. Like it works both in character and for just justine the person at the same mm-hmm. time and i i that's got I, I love pro wrestling i love it for moments like that for those kind of connections where it's not just about like the separation between the two but like the coming together of the two like it's just oh it's beautiful i wish i wish that had been captured on the iwtv <laughs> events because like that would have that would have that would have got me. There's plenty of moments that that uh, I feel like there's plenty of moments that capture that uh, that capture that same message, just at different points during the match. 
Uh, and so like, I'm not, not as worried. It's just that uh, for me, that was like the first of what would be many to come. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I just more so just like, I just wish I had more of it. I just wish I had all of it. So <laughs> that's just, Fair. that's a personal thing for me, but no, let's, okay. Let's, let's talk a bit more about the match starting with that apron bump. Cause Jesus Christ, <laughs> how <laughs> like you, uh, that looked fucking rough. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That means it, that means it, that means I did my job correctly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the show, the show prior to, um, but, uh, the triple threat is the main event. It's, uh, Remy is the champion versus Reverso versus Bobby Boyette. Uh, and at one point Bobby throws Reverso over the top rope and in plan is supposed to get caught by Remy safely to the ground. Uh, that doesn't happen. Instead, Reverso just eats the floor oh. and like, I'm up in the rafters and I hear that thud and I'm like, you can't fake that. Like, I, like, there's certain things as wrestlers we know we can fake with, like, sound and, like, spectacle. There's certain things you you just hear it and you know, well, you can't fake that sound. Like, there's no way to fake that. That's got to yeah. be as real as real can be. So I'm up there on the rafters. I hear that thud and I'm like, oh, oh, God. Versus, versus dead because you can't fake that. And I heard that thud. He's done. And then he's just, and then he's just moving, like, two seconds later. And I'm like. Like, actually, how? Like, reverse is not human. What? That man's not... <laughs> you were dead. You were definitely <laughs> dead, sir. Um, And so, like like a psycho, I went to Kobe, and I was like, hey, for a rematch, I just want to scare my mom. Can we plan <laughs> something that'll scare my mom? <laughs> now, why? Why would you put your mother through that? <laughs> Uh, because if I scare my mom into thinking that I'm legitimately hurt and that I am in serious danger, then the crowd hopefully sees that, acknowledges that, recognizes that, and then also goes, oh, oh, they could be in actual trouble. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, no. That's like that's that's actual injury there. Yeah. Oh, no. Because you can't fake a mother being concerned about their child. It's a very hard thing to fake, I assure you. Yeah. So. <laughs> God, what? So she was in the crowd that night. Uh huh. Uh, my parents have been coming to every Kaizen show that I've worked. Um, well, for the That's most awesome. part, like if they've been if they've been away on trip, like uh, for example, the the upcoming Kaizen show, they're away in Ontario then, so they mm. won't be able to come to that one. But like if they're if they're home, uh, and they can go, uh, they'll they'll normally be there. So to watch the show and uh yeah how important is it to you to have their their support like not just in terms of like supporting you choosing pro wrestling as a path for yourself but being at every show that they can be at um it it's uh it's been really cool um and they don't come to all my shows like i don't tend to invite them for the for the 18 plus bar shows because like <laughs> there that the style of booking there is far different and like it wouldn't be like if, if they went there they they would be worrying the entire time whereas like at least at kaizen shows they can be a part of the crowd they can understand like oh i i'm still worried because it's wrestling but like i've i've met these humans i've interacted with these humans i know that these humans have the best of intentions so therefore like i can kind of accept the like the 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 kayfabe of wrestling if you will 
a lot easier than if they were to go to a bar show with a with a Troy Merrick or a Moomins, people that my mom and dad haven't necessarily interacted with a whole lot. And so therefore they might think, oh, does this wrestler have evil intentions in mind? Which like obviously they they don't because we're all wrestlers and we all need to work and we all need to take care of ourselves. So Yeah. No, like that's I don't know, that just really it's always cool whenever like, you know, family is is that supportive though and they're they're coming out to shows and that sort of thing. Especially considering, like you said, it gives you a chance to play with toying with audiences and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm like I'm curious like I'm I'm sure that um whenever you hit like miss that senton on the apron and just that that crash, that thud, and you're screaming <laughs> in pain after that, like um I'm 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 gonna ask, but I think I already know the answer. Like, did it get your mom? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Like there's no and like like there's no and ifs or buts. Like I bump uh like I hit the apron, I bounce off the apron. I uh, bounce onto the floor and then I just stay dead. Like yeah. there's not a move. There's nothing. You can't see if I'm breathing. You can't tell if I'm like done. Um, and so like that was uh, that was a really cool moment. And it uh, it plays off the first match um, where like uh, in the first match, Kobe hits me with that transfiguration from the middle rope. Nobody, everyone's convinced I'm dead until an eight count. And the only reason they know I'm alive is because, like, a child actively screams in the crowd, oh, it's okay, they're breathing. I had a count of eight. <laughs> I remember that. God. So, like, yeah. Ah, oh, it's just beautiful. So, obviously, like, you, you end up getting the win over Kobe in this match. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the final, like, five to ten minutes or so just all of the various near falls all of the the character work all of the everything that that goes into that the finish of that match is just amazing and you you get the win you get that moment with kobe in the middle of the ring again but this time no subterfuge no no taking your head off with a clothesline just it's just respect like what are you feeling in, in that post-match moment after that? Like knowing the emotion that you felt in the first match and then having this match as well, like what, what did, was it different at all? Or was it just an enhanced version of what you felt before? Like, talk, like I'm curious. Uh, I believe uh, before I go back into the ring, uh, Abby's just trying to get me, uh, RF Abby's just trying to get me out of the ring. And the moment Kobe calls me back in, I just look to Abby and I go, may I go back in? Like, like there's not even like, there's not even a doubt in my mind. I, I want to go back in. Yeah. Uh, and like, it was all just very like, it was, it was enhanced a hundred percent. Cause like, if the emotion is real last time, the emotion is still just as real this time. Uh, and like, I finally got that, that win over Kobe. And so like to have that moment, uh, like it was just, you know, uh, really, truly special to have that moment and uh, kind of be like, all right, the first real like hurdle that I needed to overcome in order to kind of advance with future goals. Check. Hmm. 
it's completed. Done. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful moment in the ring uh, for sure. But another thing that um, I felt like was at least like stood out in terms of importance to me was having that match during Pride Month, um, you know, and just what it represented to have, you know, like obviously like, you know, Kobe is – Kobe is Kaizen Pro Wrestling through and through, right? Mm-hmm. And Kobe's been a, a main eventer there for a a while. Like, but mm-hmm. to have that rematch with you happen during Pride Month, like what did that what did that mean to you? Like whenever they were approaching for that to be the June show main event? Uh it meant it meant everything. Like genuinely, like I didn't even I didn't even really clue in the significance of the of it happening in Pride uh until probably like I don't know if I ever truly did to be honest cuz like it was a it was a uh it was just another uh not enough just another but it was uh, another main event against my coach where like I'm just got to you know put up or shut up uh and it definitely makes it special happening in the summer because you know, obviously, there's a there's all the pride going around, uh, and it was really cool to see all the all the posts and all the all the stuff about it. It was really really cool, um, and like the kind of realization never really kind of hit that like, huh, this is pretty cool that it's happening like right now, um, and like you know, kind of getting to reflect upon that. That's really cool and really special. Do you yourself at the, at this moment feel like you are like a main eventer in Kaizen? Uh no. Um mm-hmm. and I say that with uh brutal honesty uh because um I'm not always going to be needed in a in a main event capacity nor would I want my judgment of uh what I'm doing on any given Kaizen show to be clouded by uh, a thought like that you know um mm-hmm. you know much the same way that like a great wrestler can get themselves over to an audience with a win or a loss um i'm happy to be working for kaizen and so like if they need me to uh main event to show because the the story uh either calls for it or they just need a, a big match i'm ready to live up to that expectation of making that match worthy of a main event slot not a doubt in my mind but at the same time, if they need me to like wrestle, uh, you know, a ten to fifteen or in the middle of the card, I don't mind doing that either because it'll, I'll find a way to continue weaving that into my narrative of where does the cannonball go next and where what what are their goals and how are they going to achieve their goals through you know either winning or losing this match and the expectations there. Um, you know, uh, I would never want to kind of relegate myself to one spot on the card. Mm-hmm. You know, I just enjoy wrestling. So mm-hmm. let me wrestle anywhere. If you think that I am worthy enough of a main event, then I'm going to wrestle that match even harder to prove why you are right. But if you just need me to, you know, fill a little bit of time and wrestle a good, you know, a good to okay match in the middle of the card, you know, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to show like that consistency and build that consistency. Mm. 
it's a very selfless attitude i feel like which is it's not a it's not a bad thing at all i don't i don't mean to like say that in any kind of a derogatory way or anything like that i i don't even know why i need to qualify that i just it's an internal feeling um yeah. but <laughs> but uh i don't know watching like you know watching kaizen's shows though more and more like it, it really feels like a a lot of people if not all of the people that regularly work there kind of have similar attitudes in a way just looking at how people move up and down the card but how people move around the cards and that sort of thing and like is that something that is kind of like installed by by training with kobe or or is that just or, or, like how does how does that develop for you uh for me i think it's a combination of of training with kobe but also just a genuine love for wrestling i and I understand that for, for some people, you know, they need to make, you know, X amount of dollars or else they can't live. And so therefore, things like how much money you make because you wrestle in a main event would matter to certain people. Um, but if you're doing something because you love it, not because you're going to make a whole lot of money out of it, you know, then uh, an opportunity to wrestle is a is an opportunity to wrestle. And I'm sure that that kind of expecta- expectation changes over time because you you prove yourself you you uh you show your value and you show your worth until eventually uh you're at a point where like the only spot people feel like booking you is the main event because they feel that you are valued you know that high um but just kind of having the like work hard attitude of like i just want to wrestle and i just want to get better and i just want to keep proving that like i should be a wrestler and viewed equally i think that's that's just as useful. Oh no, it's very much so. Like it's it's you know, I think having a passion to continue to develop and and grow and get better and and you know, kind of round yourself out in a way is always a a good like internal drive to have, especially for a business like pro wrestling where it's all about like repetition. It's all about getting like the work in and learning from every night that you go out there which is another reason why i think it's really great that the scene up there is extending to having like six promotions now where people can work more and more like and not only that like have different environments to work in. like you were talking about like these like bar shows these 18 plus shows that that are going on like what's been like your kind of most fun experience outside of kaizen so far up in that area with you know with the companies that are that are running up there i'd have to say uh newfoundland was pretty fun recently i got to travel up to newfoundland recently uh and i'm going to be going back up there again very very soon so that's that was pretty exciting um my match with uh charlie hubley from the first downtown wrestling show uh kind of uh crawls into the back of my head that was that was pretty fun and enjoyable um and in general, just like all the fun experiences that I've got to have, like, you know, I, my, my job kind of gets to let me tra- travel across Canada, if not the world, if I so choose doing a thing that I love, like that's, mm. that's pretty cool. Uh, and I'm still pretty young. So like, I haven't gotten to do a whole lot. The things that I have done within my short time, I'm happy to say that I've gotten to do them. But uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to what comes next. Like what's uh what's gonna be happening? What's over the horizon, so to speak. Mm.
right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT Ring Pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. Every single dollar that is... Uh, pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you get t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT RingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. What do you feel like is is next per se? Like, because obviously, like you said, you're getting passport stuff worked out, like you know that sort of thing. So, but strictly talking Canada, like I know there are a number of areas in in Canada that obviously have their own little hotbeds. You know, Vancouver, British Columbia, and you have like, um, uh, sort of like Toronto with like Demand Lucha and 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 down there. And then you know, C four running in. Um, I believe they run in. 
in Quebec. I'm could be mistaken. Um, okay. but yeah, like they C4, like very widely known name in Canadian independent wrestling, at least for at least to the Americans, that's one of those that is well known. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, but I'm just so I'm just curious, like other other areas or promotions in in Canada that you've had your eye on that you might want to like try your try your hand at. Um, uh, I've definitely been keeping my eye out. Uh, in the uh next couple of weeks, I hope to make a trip out to Ontario. Uh, mm-hmm. I might not necessarily get to wrestle in Ontario, but I'd love to fly over to Ontario. You know hop in with a couple of the schools down there, you know, kind of see, uh, you know, kind of get to work with those people, you know, shake some hands, what have you, maybe help out at a couple of shows down there, uh, you know, uh, hope to get an opportunity. And then, you know, if the opportunity is presented and given, you know, smash it out of the park and hope that they want to keep bringing me back and keep uh, having me come on down and work uh, with some of their wrestlers and, you know, just continue to grow and elevate and uh, get to travel. How important do you think that um, kind of that branching out, like going to different areas of, of the country and kind of like getting, you know, familiar and, and just like, you know, that whole idea of like showing face to um, to other areas of the pro wrestling world. Like not only is that, would that be important for you, like in terms of like expanding where you want to work and in, in, in your growth and everything like that. But I could easily see how that would kind of reflect on like people looking at the Maritimes as a place that they could come to as well. Like, um, do you, does, does that ever factor into your mind that like, you know, not necessarily that it's, uh, it's, it's your responsibility to open channels for like, you know, wrestlers from the, from Toronto and, and the surrounding area to like go up that way. But does that ever like, come into your mind of like okay maybe if, if we have these roads like possibly like we could there could be some um the word is escaping me right now but you know what i mean like like a two-way street sort of thing yeah yeah uh it's definitely like it's definitely crossed my mind for sure um and like the the nice thing about being kaizen is that like we kind of uh like we can we can kind of go anywhere like it does kind of feel like there is a a level of like understanding and like especially if some of uh us kaizen kids were to like go and train at uh at like can am uh we it's kind of like the the next step if you will like we started our training at, uh with kobe and at kaizen for wrestling uh and then you know that opens the door and opens the gate for us to hopefully get to go train at can am where uh kobe himself tr- once trained become a wrestler and so like there's so many like potential gates that could open through those means um and it'd be really cool to maybe not necessarily be the first one although i might be you know just to open up those gates so that way they're like hey do you happen to know of any other wrestlers uh and i can be like yep here's an entire like kaizen pro wrestling roster of names that i can give you of people that are uh equally skilled uh but in different categories like uh where i you know i I thrive under just being a tiny cannonball menace of uh intestinal fortitude and toughness and endurance to just never say die you have somebody like a benoit craval who can just 
absolutely flip for days or uh ian pratt who's like a solid consistent heel right now for kaizen pro wrestling uh and has like some of the most wicked chops you've ever taken like we all have a, a similar skill set uh but in different categories and so like that would be really cool no i definitely agree like there's there's a number of people from from kaizen and, and that area that i think would could do well in other areas of, of the country too and and you're right like y'all all have like these unique qualities that are built on this like same on the like a very similar foundation in a way uh and, and that's that's all you can ask for with like a, a training environment like that like a, a place where they'll like you build a foundation but then you have like that freedom to explore what you want to focus on who you want to be like what you want to present and through through your work and that sort of thing like i don't know like it just sounds like a very healthy environment for the for the most part up there yeah it definitely is uh and that's what makes training at kaizen uh so so easy because we're all so supportive and we're all so accepting of one another mm. well let's let's talk a little bit about glory hold because um because uh, this the second glory hold pro, pro wrestling show uh happened this past july um mm -hmm. the uh i believe that is the uh the preeminent uh pride themed uh show up in up in the halifax area i think with halifax pride um and last year we we talked a bit about your experience there and how like emotional it was just you know because of the building because of like um all these like past memories and then having the, the match with with thad there um and what it represented with the crowd and, and everything like that like the second time around because y'all were in the same mm -hmm. building correct this last mm -hmm. year same yeah building yeah um this the second time around um how how was it a similar feeling for you? Like how did, how did that kind of evolve for you over the last year or like, did it, was it almost uh, like you excised that from you last year after everything? Yeah, it was yeah. pretty much like it was, it was kind of one and done uh, in terms of like the emotion. Um, granted there was a lot more into that because uh, this would also be the first time I wrestled for a promotion outside of Kaizen. Um, and so kind of keeping that in mind um this year uh there was a lot there was a lot less emotion because like i didn't have to i didn't feel any sort of anything from the building because i'd already been there been there i'd done that um i had already worked with a handful of other promotions in the maritimes and you know starting to kind of spread my wings a little bit outside of the outside of the province of Nova Scotia, you know, whether that be Newfoundland or whether that be uh, the minus Nova Scotia, like I, you know, I'd kind of already kind of spread my wings to other promotions. So like, you know, they, there's not really a, a feeling there of, all right, new crowd, uh, new, you know, backstage crew. Like there was uh, none of that. It was just, you know, another, another wrestling show uh, that took place in pride. And I was just looking forward to, uh, hopefully being able to contribute my part in making it as uh, great of a show as I could. Mm. I can understand that thought process. It's almost like a, a feeling of like, now that you've worked in other places, like a feeling like, okay, now that I belong here. 
Like I don't need to, there's nothing like, you know, that's um, pulling at me or anything like that. It's like, it almost feels like a sense of security in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's really, that, honestly, that's a really healthy place to be at. I feel like, <laughs> um, um, especially going to a show that, you know, is going to be, a, a raucous event like that and it's going to be a very like affirming space that way for you know not just the the competitors but also the fans like i love environments like that and it it almost feels like if you have that like emotional issue like um dealt with and kind of like you know shelved and that sort of thing and put it in the past that like it almost feels like you would be able to enjoy the environment more and, and what it's meant to celebrate and that sort of thing. Like, was that something that you noticed this time around? A hundred percent. It was uh, really nice to kind of get to go. And like last year I didn't have, uh, I didn't have merch last year. And so like this year I was able to, you know, bring merch and I was able to sell some merch and uh, make a couple of extra dollars that way. So like, that was that was kind of cool and that was really useful and helpful um mm. and so yeah it's been it's been really good honestly um the event itself uh i got to i got to enjoy it for what it was worth i got to i got to talk to the drag queens you know hang out with uh all of them and it was uh it was a blast to kind of get to have that crossing of worlds if you will mhm i mean i i love that there are still a growing number of places like that that are marrying wrestling with drag being you know obviously the similarities between the two have been discussed at all at this point but like you know like one is one and one is the other like they're they're very much the same thing in a lot of ways um but i'm curious like what do you get them out sorry let me rephrase that what do you get the most out of like being in those environments where it's not just wrestlers in the locker room, right? It's like, it's, you have people from various different artistic backgrounds that are, that are coming together to present this thing. Like, what do you get the most out of being in locker rooms with like drag artists as well? Uh, the joys to just kind of talk and share experiences, uh, mm. the opportunities to kind of see uh, how and where they came from uh, and like, for a drag queen, their look is everything because, uh, you know, it's it's what you see. It's how they present, you know, uh, the outfit and aesthetic is just as important as uh, the actual uh, dances and the routines. And it's very much the same way, you know, with wrestling, like our ring gear has to be has to look really good. It has to look super clean, you know, because that that is that is who we are. That is that is our identity. Uh, and so, like, to kind of get to see those kind of worlds cross over is very cool and it's very exciting because uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, I kind of have to just focus on my match and I get to focus on my match with a bunch of wrestlers. So it's really fun to see how uh, a drag queen would uh, see all this planning and figuring out go and uh, kind of see what their take on it is especially like in this case where we had two drag queens uh wrestling each other i was gonna ask about that because that was an, an interesting <laughs> dynamic that that we saw on the show um obviously there are other places that have had drag drag queens wrestle 
here and there, but um, that was a really interesting thing to to see on this show. Um, like, how do you feel? Like, well, let me let me back up one second. Let me let me ask a different question. Um, how do you like? Obviously, like we've seen elements of drag be implemented in pro wrestling by pro wrestlers, right? But to see like mm-hmm. drag artists implementing pro wrestling stuff into what they're doing in the ring um it, it is it is different it is interesting and it can play off of a lot of tropes from drag as well like how did you feel like the seeing that like kind of reversal of the mixture so to speak in the ring there uh for me personally i was just hopeful that nobody got hurt uh i'll be real honest um <laughs> Because, like, uh, I, I'm i not, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's going to go judge work, especially in this particular circumstance where, like, neither one of them are, like, professionally trained wrestlers. Like, they, they're, they're probably getting to just enjoy the fact that, holy shoot, we as drag queens get to pretend to be wrestlers in an actual wrestling ring. Like, how many people get to say that in their, you know, in their lives uh, at any age? And so, like, you know... Just again, the I come back to everybody got to have fun at the show, mm-hmm. and like that's what's most important. I was more or less worried for their actual health and safety because I know how dangerous pro wrestling is, and if pro wrestling is done incorrectly, then that means somebody or multiple people are getting hurt really badly. And if those drag queens had gotten hurt for let's say three, four, six, eight months because of uh you know them trying to have a little bit of fun at a wrestling show uh that would have completely broken my heart thankfully that didn't happen uh everything that they wanted to do they they got through it and uh they got to have probably the time of their lives in a wrestling ring and that's like that's super cool that they got to have uh their their moment no it it, it did look like there was it was just like a very joyous time for them. Like, and like you said, like people that aren't involved in, in the pro wrestling business, I feel like anybody, any fan of pro wrestling at some point wants to have a moment like that, or they're in the ring and just have like a little bit of a little bit of a memory that you can create for yourself and and say that sort of thing. So like to see that happen there and, and everybody come out unscathed and everybody be safe about it. Like, like that was, that was a lot of fun to see. Um, Obviously, you wrestled Thad again on on this show as well. Like that, and that was a a, a fun match. Uh, granted, I haven't seen the full match because I, I haven't seen the full Glory Hold show yet. I've seen highlights though, and um, it looked like it it played off a little bit from Mel's match last year as well. Like you're just you're just like doing all these like year long rematch stories, Justine. Yeah, <laughs> kind of feels like it. Um, I, I. I didn't know who I was wrestling going into the show. Not that like that sort of thing matters. Um, like the times where that matters is like if you're building to a particular story. So like uh, if I was to wrestle uh, somebody like a Daniel Wall at a Kaizen show, it would help to have that information ahead of time if we're going to build a story uh, and promote the match. Uh, it would help in that department. Um, I tried to promote Glory Hold and, and I didn't know who I was wrestling. So 
We filmed like solo promos. I filmed a little bit of interaction with Cody Orion because I didn't know who I was fighting. And so on the off chance I was fighting Cody, you know, we already had a, a promo together, set, ready to go. Um, like it was all already done. Um, and I did figure that it was going to be somebody different. Uh, and so when I found out that it was that, I was like, all right, well, like that's like, that's all right. I, I've worked with that. So like, can't, not, it's not going to be hard. It's going to be, you know, another day at the office. Let's find out who they, uh, let's find out uh, who who's winning. Let's plan a good match. Uh, and let's, you know, just, you know, really deliver, you know, some good quality wrestling. But no, I think I think that's what y'all accomplished for sure, especially being in that in that opener spot, like with the the crowd like hyped up and and getting them ready for the rest of the event. Um, like I I I can't wait for you know I don't know if if the people at Glory Hold are gonna put the whole event out in it anywhere, but I'd be curious to see more of than just like the the snippets of of y'all's match that I saw, especially after watching the match last year. Like I felt like y'all y'all work really well together um so that would be fun to see but you you talk about like this this feeling of happiness this feeling of like statement in a way at times like let's talk about like that moment at the end of the show um obviously like i i will be i'll be frank like for myself like like the main event troy merrick versus versus uh moon miss that was a really fun match to see on a card and and that sort of thing um, I'll be the first to admit, like, I don't know how the, the booking and that sort of thing kind of ended up with what we got for our final image for the show with, you know, El Noir, the, the drag artist, um, pinning, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, pinning Troy to win the, uh, the glory hold, uh, harness, um, and that sort of thing. But the, the way that that moment was communicated to the audience visually was an amazing thing to see with, with L with the, with the trans flag out there and using that as like the final weapon to end Troy and covering him with it after pinning him. Like it felt like very much like uh, a space where a statement like that needed to be made. You know, I don't know what the, what the cultural political climate is in in, in Canada per se around this, but obviously here in the States and the UK and, and a number of other nations, like, you know, trans communities are under attack uh, politically, culturally straight up, you know, on a personal level, you know, and whether it be through legislation or actual violence, like, you know, our, our community is facing dire things right now and is showing incredible strength in the face of all of that and it is beautiful to see and a moment like that at the end was just one of those things that um i don't know it felt very very empowering i know you were out at ringside around that around that point because that match just devolved into did the entire locker room end up at ringside during that match <laughs> it felt like it at it one was point. it was it was so it was booked as troy merrick versus moon mist in uh i don't remember their wording but uh to kind of break it down into lamest terms it was basically a lumberjack match so you'd have a bunch of wrestlers in the locker room i see they would all surround the ring uh and so anytime a wrestler got thrown out of the ring i uh, get thrown back in um, 
And so it was essentially a lumberjack match. Uh, so that's why the all like four of us were uh, out there along with a couple of the drag queens that had performed uh, earlier on in the night. So they were all kind of out, out at ringside there. Okay. So being out at ringside for, for that moment and how did that hit you? Like in terms of like just what we were seeing visually represented in the ring with, with the, the flag and, and L, you know, kind of making a, a very visual and vocal statement at the same time with, with with that moment uh it was it was uh definitely empowering um because yeah you bring up the kind of political climate in the places like the states in the uk and uh places like that um i'm not entirely certain uh the full kind of uh how it is here in canada um but i can tell you uh like pride this year was very very like all over the place like there were moments where it felt like pride was going to get canceled uh simply because like we didn't have um because the people who ran pride last year uh ran the budget into the ground and into, uh, into like a deficit and so uh, a new committee was brought in the new committee came in saw that there was a deficit and was like well we don't want to have to deal with all this debt like what the heck uh and so they kind of like peaced out and they were like we ain't putting up with this and so they kind of left uh, and so um, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of money put into this year's Pride, but like there was the same level of enthusiasm, I would say, was there. Like, because uh, if you wanted to be there, you were going to be there and showing your support and, uh, you know, showing your pride, if you will. Um, I had a number of events that I went to and I was very grateful that I got to participate in myself. Uh, whether that be as a as a viewer or whether that be as like somebody like in the you know working the working the thing um and so i was very grateful uh for those opportunities and for that uh chance to to happen even given how chaotic pride was this year i'm glad that things were able to come together and for there to like be some form of an event and honestly like I feel like sometimes those kind of hardships. Sometimes I feel like those kind of hardships can kind of bring you back to the reason why we celebrate pride in the first place in a lot of a lot of ways. Right. Cause like we've seen this this argument kind of pop up in terms of like, you know, the people that are arguing against like the corporatization of pride and and that sort of thing or like holding alternative pride parades that are not like inundated with like corporate sponsorship and that sort of thing. And like, yes, you always want to be able to have like the financial funds to to be able to do what you, you know, celebrate the way that you want to do, you know, and, and accommodate as many people as you can to do so. But at the same time, like pride wasn't bore out of like the queer community having a lot of money and wanting to throw a party. Like it was bore out of like civil rights action. It was bore out of uh, transgression. It was bore out of you know, building our own community separate or parallel to a community that wanted to excise us, you know? And I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes having those, those moments where like, it's a little bit toned down, you know, it's, it's more about the enthusiasm you bring to it versus like what you're going to be going there to do. That's provided by like the pride council or whatever, like, yeah. you know, like that, 
I don't know that that sounds really refreshing and I'm glad that people's enthusiasm met that that time you know like that's 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 really awesome to see because I feel like that's the the that's the bar for like when you know that a, a community like that is going to you know putting aside like whatever if somebody runs the budget into the ground if there's deficits and that sort of thing for for budgets and stuff like that like um you know always know there's like that that core that human core is always in place there and that's that's really awesome to hear i hope that mm -hmm. the financial difficulties don't persist but at the same time like like it's just really that, would, cool that would definitely be nice yeah <laughs> uh you know we also had to we also had to deal with a flood like literally Oof. the day of the pride parade uh we just got completely flooded so the pride parade was uh canceled uh it was said to be rescheduled but i i heard of no like second like you know a, a, a redo day so i i just presumed that it was uh just kind of outright canceled i heard that the people who did go for the pride parade helped out with the with like the, the cleaning so mm -hmm. like they were kind of clearing up the streets trying to make sure that like you know, uh, everybody was uh, safe. The roads were cleared off, you know, and yeah. So I heard that there was at least some good that came out of it, for sure. I, I love how community comes together in that way. It's really cool mm -hmm. to see. Um, well, Justine, this has been really fun catching up with you over the last, like, hour or so. Um, always, it's always fun. I, I feel bad because, like, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I'm terrible at checking my Instagram messages. And so like, <laughs> I feel really bad whenever I go and I do check them and I have like four missed messages from, you know, like, fuck, I don't, <laughs> I don't want them to think that I'm like ignoring them or something. It's just like, I just am. And I don't, and I don't want to feel like I'm spamming you at the same time. Cause like, <laughs> I know, I know that we, uh, we're all busy people, you know, yeah. like you got, you got your jobs. I got my job. So like, I understand that there's gonna be there's gonna be moments in time where like, you know, you're just not able to to check your phone because you're you're busy, you're doing stuff, you're living your best life. So like, it's always yeah. just like a I don't want to I don't want to be too buggy. I just want to make sure that the thing that we want to have happen happens. Exactly. Uh, and so yeah. No, and like I I don't ever take it as that, but no, it's more so just like, damn it, I need to like it makes me feel like, all right, I need to get back on top of my shit, like, in a way. So, like, in a small way, it's motivating. So, yes. <laughs> keep spamming me on Instagram and 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 we'll have to sit down again sometime in the future and, and chat oh as God. well. We still yeah. gotta get you out here. We still gotta get you out here for a Kaizen mm -hmm. show. We do. We do. That You talk about passport stuff. Like, I need to get my passport stuff situated so I can actually Heck try yeah. and do that. Um, because I've been meaning to hit up Vancouver for a while and I definitely want to get out to, to your neck of the woods for a Kaizen show as well. So Heck yes. And then we can, and then we can film a like in-person, uh, edition of LGBT in the ring. I'm always down. I got, I, I got a travel setup, so we Heck can do yeah. it. All right, Justy, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you online and what you have may have coming up. You can follow me online at Cannonball Justine on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, you can uh, go follow my Twitch because uh, while well, I'm not actively on Twitch 
uh, streaming. It's something that I would like to try to make more of a habit. So that way I can earn myself just, you know, a little bit more extra ad revenue, uh, just a little bit more money. So that way like I can actually afford to travel and, you know, go other places. Uh, in terms of other shows, I will be working in the next little bit. There will be ICW in Newfoundland on August the 26th. Kaizen Pro Wrestling's fourth year anniversary, September the 2nd. Uh, Downtown Pro Wrestling, August, uh, September the 8th. And that is what I got going on at the moment. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Justine. Uh, thank you. Bye, everyone. My thanks again to Justine for coming on the show and uh, you know talking about that wonderful match with Kovi and just continuing to see their growth in in the region and and you know wanting to get out to new places and and learn as much as they can and work as much as they can. It's it's really cool to see just how committed and and deep into this pro wrestling journey that Justine is. Um, and, and I can't wait to continue to see them grow throughout it. It's, it's really awesome to see. Um, that's going to do it for our show this week. Before we go, though, um, I do want to give a shout out to our um, roster of lovely members, uh, roster of lovelies members, actually, over on patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Um, of course, you can join the rosters of love, the roster of lovelies yourself um, at the $3 tier on our Patreon $5 tier gets you the, the monthly bonus shows that we do over there. Um, uh, and you can join the likes of Jerry legend, Alexi and uh, Val Capone on that list uh, every week here on this show and get access to, um, to patron benefits over on the Patreon as well. Um, and, and the, the growing backlog of monthly bonus shows that we have, um, over there as well. So if you feel like supporting the show in that way, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod will very, very grateful for any support we have over there. And we are very, very grateful for all the support in general for the show all the time. It's never lost on me. I know. I, I think I say that a lot, um, but it, it truly is never lost on me. Uh, that's going to do it though. Uh, but until we uh, talk again, y'all stay messy Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And um, happy birthday, Chris Kazama. Six, six, six.